Would you care to step outside? What are you doing Superman. Who are you? The lasso of Hastiak. Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Welcome, everyone, to DC and RMD Stargirl Edition. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD Stargirl Edition. Or if you want access to all of our DC-related content, just simply search for our main feed by typing in DC and RMD. Our preferred place for you to listen is iTunes Podcast or Apple Podcast because we need those ratings and reviews. So please be sure to give us a five-star rating. And uh, all right, so we are we are back. How many are on that main feed now? Are we up to like 10 billion? I don't know. Are, are we on the Guinness Book of World Records for most episodes? I will say this, Bob, and I wasn't going to announce it today on the air, but since oh. you bring it up, oh. DCRMD is now officially the number one show on Rayman Digital. Oh, well, we should be because we do 15 shows. It's bigger than Supernatural. So how's that feel? How does that feel? I, I wasn't here to beat anybody. No. I'm here to do shows. Be entertaining, Mike. <laughs> All right, so we are back for the second one. So so dumb. All right, so today we're going to be talking about Star Girl Season 2, Episode 5, Summer School, Chapter 5. Number one, Mike Dugan's imminent ISA membership is just around the corner. Corner, I'm sure. I feel for the kid. He's uh, isolated and pushed away. In fact, that seems to be one of the motivations or perhaps... I, I don't know, maybe motifs for this season, you know, isolation, loneliness, you know, lies that push people into the embrace of danger. It looks like that's something they're even doing with Courtney as well. Uh, Pat's lie is going to come back and possibly push Courtney closer to the shade. Uh, we also go a bit more on or got a bit more on whatever Pat and Barbara are hiding from Courtney. And I have to agree at this point with you, Bob, that it's something connected to her past. It has to be, especially with that whole bit between Barbara and Shade. When Shade's all, you look familiar, they're not going to have him say something like that. Oh, you remind me of someone. Yeah, You don't drop those type of hints and or not for it to pay out or, you know, to pay off some way down the road. You know, this, I, I wanted to ask you, cause you brought up the lie thing. Um, and we've dealt with lying in superhero things before. Okay. Now I've been in a big angry monster about hating the lying, especially when it's dumb lies. Is there a lie that's not going to pay off for us in this? Okay. So, I feel like I knew you were going to bring this up because you and I have talked about this a lot, especially in Arrow. Arrow was the king of lies in that show. And you're like, why? Why are you guys not telling each other the truth? It makes no sense. Now, this one I'm okay with, and I do feel like it's going to pay off because of how they're building it. And I'm okay with this one because we also are not privy to that lie. Now, if we were aware of what Pat was keeping from Courtney then I'd be annoyed because that's what Arrow did. And you would sit there like, but that's not a big deal. Who cares if Oliver has a child with another woman from years ago? Just tell Felicity. It makes no sense for you to keep that from her. And it makes no sense 
for her to get mad. So those types of lies that we're privy to tend to irk me. But if the lies are also kept from us and it and they set it up as a reveal, if they intend to do it that way, then typically it will pay off when that lie is revealed to the audience as well as Courtney at the same time. Okay. It, that does make sense the way you explained it because uh, again, you're right. It, when you know the lie, we if we knew what it was, we could pick it apart every single week going, why don't you just tell it it's stupid? Yeah, we would get annoyed. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think the way they're doing it makes it a bit better. Okay. I, I just wanted to ask that question just because, again, we've the history of lies hasn't worked out really well. It's plagued many of the DC shows on the CW. It's never good when you do things like that because what you're essentially doing is you're creating drama because you can't just write. You're creating drama that doesn't need to be there. It's fabricated. Also, let's talk about Cindy. Cindy's getting really close to creating her new team, and it looks like for the time being, she's going to leave Cameron out of it. And I'm okay with that because so far, the team that she has managed to bring to her to her side, it's been an easy easy for her to just simply manipulate them. So to see that Cameron is a little more wise to her ways makes me feel a little bit better about that character because as of now we don't really know a whole lot about Cameron and I feel like him having that conversation with Cindy Mm -hmm. actually did a lot for his character yeah no definitely it's it it was uh, I'm more interested in this character after this week than I was before yeah well Uh, we didn't even like him last year in fact I think he's the only character creepy thing about him you know it's not a great casting He's not because he's not a good actor. He's a decent actor. It's just something about him. Is it him or is it like the whole like I draw you like a French girl thing? <laughs> it might be that. It I might mean, be the creepy. role. Like Mike, if like I was drawing you and I'm like, hey, Mike, like look at all my I, I sit there and stare at you and and draw you. Um, oh, man. Uh, it just reminds me like I. I before we got on the air, I told Mike about this Netflix documentary. It talks about Hollywood tropes. And when a guy does it, it's cute. When a girl does it, she's the mass murderer. And now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, well, maybe a girl thinks it's cute because that's what Hollywood always tells us. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, what's the name of this town? Blue Valley. Yeah. Obviously, the Me Too movement has not reached Blue Valley yet because, I mean, that, that is creepy. Maybe because he's an artistic type of like he's always brooding in the corner and he's so quiet. Maybe then that's attractive to certain women, but at the same time, you're gambling. You're you're taking a gamble showing her the pictures you've been drawing of her because that could really go the opposite. Yeah. Hey, female listeners at DC on RMD, get us get at us on Twitter. Let us know if I was to draw pictures of you from the corner and show you that I had tons of pictures of you in a book. Would I be creepy or would you find me attractive? Yeah, and also let's <laughs> let's throw this into the equation. And I don't want to insult you, so I'm gonna take you out of the equation. Oh, yeah. and say let's say average looking guy, okay, or decent looking guy drawing you, and then Jason Momoa drawing you. Like, w- would you be mad? <laughs> Is it weird you say that? And I just see Jason Momoa with a crayon, <laughs> like full fisted drawing, <laughs> like circles in a stick figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why did you just dumb him down to like a, a person not, with it, mental like illness or something? Just because uh, <laughs> is, drool- is he drooling on himself too? He's a big brooding guy, and I know from listening to him talk, he's not a re- like I don't almost said that word, but he's not mentally challenged. Um, 
<laughs> but you so, just described him as. Yeah, but it, just in my head, it was like, but when you're that hot, do you got to be good at drawing? You're like, no, I drew you a picture. Fuck me. Yeah. Any girl would be like, oh, thank you. Oh it's just God. a bunch of scribbles. Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. paints her face with his dick. Oh, we'll see. Same question, ladies. Would you let Jason Mola <laughs> paint your face with his dick? <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. So Mr. Dysinger was also used as something I didn't expect they would actually do with the character, but he was used as a conduit for Eclipso to do his dirty deeds. And we'll see how that pays off for the character. They said at the end of the episode that he was what, in the hospital now, mm-hmm. a mental hospital. So we'll see what happens down the road. I did not expect them to do that to that character. Although I did ask, I want to say in the first episode discussion, I asked what we're going to do with him this year. Yeah. Yeah, they don't br- they don't bring characters around for nothing. It's not like Mr. Belding just kind of hanging out. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of moving parts and not just from the more traditional writing side of things, but also thematically. You have things like evil versus bad influence or amuse, uh, pushing people away. These are things that bring a type of continuity across the total expanse of the show and tethers our characters so the evil versus bad thing is a big one. This is the second or third time they've mentioned that, correct? Yes. And it probably is just as simple as setting up a bit of justification when Shade will probably no doubt become a temporary ally. Uh, and this is probably going to happen when uh, Pat and Barbara decide to tell or not tell Courtney. What's happening? I have a feeling what's going to happen is because you had that moment where are you sure where Cordy says, are you sure there's nothing else? And Pat looked really guilty <laughs> and said, nope, nothing else. That's going to come back to bite him in the ass. And what they're doing is justifying her teaming up with shade. That's what they're doing. When she finds out that Pat and Barbara, her own mother is still lying to her. She's going to go to shade and decide this is what needs to be done because she already did it because Pat was just keeping a few things away from her. But now that they had that moment in, you know, after he had seen her come home, when she wasn't supposed to be out past curfew and they had that eye contact promise to each other and he chose not to tell the truth. That's going to affect Courtney entirely differently. And I'm not saying Cordy is going to become bad. That's just not in her. That's not really her. She's a, she's pure of heart. She's innocent. She's a bit naive. That's not really her thing, but she will feel betrayed that her, that Pat and her mother are keeping secrets. So whatever it is, it has to be something big, especially when you take into account the scene between Jade and Barbara, as I had mentioned a few moments ago, And I think perhaps you were right, Bob, as usual. Maybe Courtney has a deeper connection to the staff and or Starman than anyone had originally thought. Because you did you did mention that, right? A couple episodes ago. We still haven't understand why Joe McHale's on the fucking show. Yeah. He showed up episode one. We're getting, you know, we're getting towards that midway point. And. There's been no mention other than like a pass through in that one scene. Yeah. So, so why why is he around? Why is going on? I 
and we we find out that more of these people are are alive still um i i just think something's gonna happen something has to be there and and i'm hoping that's again why jay garrett comes around yeah because somebody has to be there to explain what's going on and maybe he's the one that leaks the information yeah that's a good point because you know listen why? i'm gonna put my money on you uh, i'm just gonna say right now that's right because so far you're 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 shooting what you know gambling terms what is it when you're 100 right um you're you're, is, you're just 100 right yeah, that, yeah, yeah there's no like gambling term for that no uh you're you're on one um i you're, guess you're on a hot streak Yes. There you go. You are kind of on a hot streak when it comes to DC shows. Yeah. You pretty much call it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely think you're right. When you had said that there's got to be something there about Courtney and her connection to Starman in some way, it does seem like it's going in that direction. And I, I want to know when this happened. Did Barbara and Pat talk about something now that Barbara is in the know? Did something happen off screen that we don't know about? Did they have a conversation and they put two and two together and Pat and Barbara's like, oh shit, this is all connected. Yeah. Like, it, it does seem like, like that, a right? lost brother or something. Maybe it's not a father thing. Yeah. You know, maybe the, 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 the you look familiar because they're twins or, you know, whatever weird thing they want to say between Barbara and Starman. Now, I don't think it's something in the way of emotion. So they're not trying to protect her emotionally because Courtney's already been through a lot emotionally. And the show's already established that they have, they are aware that she can, she can take on those types of stresses. This seems like something very dangerous that can actually jeopardize her life. Does that seem fair? Does that seem right to you? Yeah. I mean, because why else are they paranoid to tell her and they feel like they're protecting her? There's got to be something that they think because they know how she doesn't really hold back and she doesn't have a lot of self-control. She's getting better this season, but if she were to find something out, whatever that secret is, she would probably go try to confront it head on. Maybe it's the, what we saw this week with the, between the light and the darkness, reach out and touch the light. It, That's something with the staff. Yeah. I was thinking that as well because that was definitely in your face and the way it was captured, not just the verbiage, but the way that scene was captured. It was, it was very, uh, metaphorical the way it was shot the way it was framed with darkness on one side the light on the other and then the center you had the combination of the two yeah it felt it felt intentional well you could be right yet again yeah well if you throw enough shit at the wall something's gonna (laughs) stick true (laughs) yeah i feel like um what really brought this all to a head though was the moment with shade talking to Barbara about reminding him of someone in his family. And as a writer, you don't have your character say things like that without some type of relevance. Uh, These are things that we've talked about before. If writers want to do something down the road in a later episode, you have to firmly establish some narrative plants beforehand. Otherwise it comes off as really hacky and you run the risk of aggravating your viewers your audience when things are just dropped on us. And so far, if you look at the history of this show, this show does do those, I should say does drop those narrative plants fairly well. And early on, if you look at first season, they did a lot of those types of things. Yeah. And, and I want them to continue because it actually means they believe in their product. 
Yeah, and it shows that they have full on a strategy <laughs> from beginning to end. You can't do narrative plants when you don't know what episode. If you don't have foresight. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're producing, let's say you're you're producing episode two and you're shooting it, uh, episode two, episode three. And you don't know what's going to happen yet in episode seven, then there's no way for you to do those narrative plans. And unfortunately, that's what happens to a lot of shows, whereas this one has the luxury. And I will say it's not always the showrunner's fault. Sometimes uh, certain TV shows, depending on the studio, it's just a luxury they don't have for whatever reason. But it seems like the showrunner for this series does have that luxury and and he's making it work. You always wonder if Jeff Johns has more control because it's his character. I want to say he has a lot more control for a few reasons. He has taken on a lot bigger role, which I wasn't aware recently with the DCU content and Mm -hmm. now bleeding over to HBO Max because he's also a top executive producer in Titans. Yeah, I see his name all over. And I wasn't sure if that was just a side effect of his previous role. Kind of like how Zack Snyder's all over everything, even though he's really not there, but, you know, it's in his contract. That's a possibility. Um, But either way, he also, his name does come with a bit of clout. So let's say he doesn't have all the say, typically just because his name's on things, but perhaps because he is Jeff Johns, people are like, hey, you know what? Do what you do what you do. Yeah. You know, Uh, Courtney and Cameron. This is an interesting situation at first. I didn't really care about Cameron, but the little they have done with him this season has been a bit of a slow burn. And it feels like it's going to end up turning into one of those moments that are character defining for Courtney. It seems like whatever will happen to Cameron, he's not going to like it. His powers are manifesting themselves, which means his grandparents might fill him, might fill in the blanks for him. And might end up telling him things. And the reason why I say this is going to be a a character defining moment potentially for Courtney is because she's developing feelings for this guy. And if he were to find out the truth from his grandparents about who she is and how she had a big part in his father's death, the fact that he's painting a mural in the city of his father and he is sad over his father's death. They're not just doing that for no reason. They're trying to show you that he was very, very close to his father. So if he finds out Courtney was responsible in some way, there's the push. It's it's done. It, he's not going to go for it. He's probably going to be. It, you said push. It might be that push that he needs to join the ISA. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, how hot does a girl have to be for you to forgive her for having her, your father killed? Margot Robbie. Okay. Just want to, yeah, just want to see what our, the, what our level is. I already had it planned. <laughs> I was like, that, I knew you were going to ask that. You know, it's always, it's always the, the typical Bob question of um, how hot does a chick have to be to let her, you do something that you would fucking despise. Yeah. So Margot Robbie, you killed my, my father. Ah, okay. That's all right. Uh, do you want to go to the funeral? <laughs> Uh, Michael, you brought, you brought the woman that killed your father to, she said she's going to have sex with me. Oh, wait a second. They, everyone will know. Is that part of the rules, the stipulations? Yes. Okay. So she killed your father and everyone in your life knows who killed your father. Yes. Still Margot. Still Margot. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, that is too. That's awful. I'm a horrible person. Yeah. Hey, look, you have standards. It's Marco Robbie. <laughs> if you're planning on killing Michael's father, you better be Marco Robbie hot. Yeah, it's the only way you're going to get away with it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so speaking of Cameron's grandparents, were you surprised that they also had power? Because, again, tell me if I just missed it. Did we ever see this before? No, I just okay. thought they were Nazis. Yeah, yeah same here. <laughs> I, so, I, didn't, I didn't know they were super Nazis. They were, um, they were ice Nazis. Uh, th- there was some weird things. Okay, now, y- you brought up the weather thing, and I always was wondering... Um, in the scene when they drive up with the, the car and I, did you see Rick's breath? Were you paying that much attention? Oh, okay. Was that Rick's breath? It, I thought so. And I'm like, well, like, I know they were talking about the weather hmm. and I didn't, but I don't the, remember, but then I was confused because you, you know, the, it was more about like storms and stuff. And then all of a sudden when he is revving his engine and everything, like you see his breath come out and I was like, was it cold that day or is that intentional? Because you kind of saw the same thing with the grandma, and then you're wondering as they're having this stare down, is there something going on there? Uh-huh. And I was like, is it? And because I've watched, I watched this a couple times because you know, spoiler we waited, alert, we waited so long, we delayed a little bit. Uh, and so it was like I caught it the first time, and I was like, okay, maybe. They, and I'm like, nah, it's definitely there. The second time I watched it, see, I didn't pick up on that. And I was That's just wondering if that was like the stare down thing, if that was like a, a grandparent thing. Something with his powers going on, or it was just a like a movie fuck up. Well, we'll see. I it would feel weird if Rick has ice power, so it's got to well, be. No, just, I didn't. I didn't think it was Rick. I thought maybe it was Cameron. Oh, doing something, doing to him. something like there was some anger going on when they were doing that stare down. Interesting that the weather dropped, but then again, they had the whole thing of. We can watch the weather patterns. It's fucking beautiful everywhere else, but it's here. You know, watch the storm. And so there was so much going on that was kind of confused Yeah, on the whole, like, wait, is it getting cold or are we talking like storm like rain? And then, the like I said, the, the frozen Nazi grandparents and, you know, his dad and his powers. Like, I'm so lost on what's going on. I right got to go back and check that out because I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, but it's that just would like, actually make sense if maybe Cameron was doing something to him unintentionally, because obviously he's unaware of any of the powers that apparently is hereditary. Hey, we I'm see, assuming we see if, that in Superman right now with the the yeah, voice. Yeah, I mean I'm okay with that. I don't believe they actually told us last season how Icicle got his powers. Right, he just had them. Yeah, yeah. So apparently is hereditary and. We'll see what happens. Nazi experiments. I was. That's what you go with, right? You know what? It, well, I don't know. Maybe not because the dragon was involved with Nazi experiments and the grandmother called him a monster and told Cindy to stay away from Cameron. True. So possibly not. However, I, I do feel like the reason why they made it a point to show us that the grandma has power was so that we understand that it is hereditary so that when Cameron would manifest his power, we wouldn't be surprised. But then again, if we're going to go with this hereditary bullshit and the staff and everything else and the Green Lantern, I mean, that's the pattern we're going with. And then Stargirl has to be somewhat related somewhere along the way, right? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that hasn't been activated by somebody with a 
uh, uh, relationship are the goggles and the pen, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before we see what's happening. I don't think they're going to be slow playing this Cameron thing much longer. I had thought, and I believe we had talked about it in a previous episode this season, that it doesn't seem like they're going to move very quick with Cameron. But now that they're introducing this element in episode five, as you know, we have a lot more episodes to go. It does seem like they are taking us there. And that's why I said at the top of the show that there are a lot of moving parts in the show. And to be completely honest, if this was any other CW show, I might be nervous with this many moving parts. But but I think the difference between this and say like what was going on in Batwoman or Supergirl mm-hmm. is these moving parts are all around Courtney. Yeah. Well, that's important. That's that's a perfect that's a great way to say it because that's exactly right. When you have a show like this that's titled star girl and you have tons of moving parts and tons of characters, all of it needs to revolve around her. And I, and that ultimately is the reason why it feels okay. Even though there are moving parts and it does make me nervous just because I've witnessed shows fall apart under the weight of their bad writing. It does make me nervous, but so far the way they're doing it does allow them to do it the right way. And so far, Counting season one and the first five episodes, first five episodes, I should say, of season two, it seems to be working just fine. Yep. So I believe the question is, when it comes to Cameron, is he going to actually join the ISA? He seems like he really disdains Cindy. So I'm wondering if this will be an entirely different situation. Sure, finding out about Courtney could nudge him to the ISA, but he really... He really seems to just dislike Cindy. So when you dislike that someone, someone that much, and you have a bit of an independent spirit, because he does, mm-hmm. do you join a club or you hate the club leader? That's a good question. So, I, I mean, it makes it sense. It was an for, intentional pause there. No, oh. I know. It makes sense for the other two because they seem like followers and they need people to latch on to. Especially with the loss of those parents. Yeah. Uh, but Cameron seems to be okay. He's sad, obviously, but he does seem to be a bit of an independent spirit. He has his grandparents as well. And then he has his art. He has the potential relationship aspect of Courtney. But okay, so maybe he finds out more about his father and he's just like a legacy type thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think they're queuing him up to do something different. At this point, I don't feel like he's going to join the ISA. Or he joins them and it's like, sorry, a battle of the throne type thing to where this, this was my dad's legacy too. Oh, that could be it as well. He doesn't seem crazy as well. So that's another thing. And Icicle didn't come off crazy either. He had some weird ideas, but he was actually politically sound. As we have mentioned, his ideas were actually you know, pretty fair and decent ideas. Now, compelling people, that's where you got to draw the line. Compelling people to follow orders, whether they're good things or not, is just not something you do. It's not kosher. Cameron seems to be very well adjusted. And the rest of the new ISA are not. And that's why I'm wondering if it's going to be something like you said. He might just be the legacy and then 
either move on and do his own thing or try to take the ISA for his own and um, do good things with it. Kind of like what his father was trying to do, because Cameron doesn't come off as a guy that's just going to turn evil, does he? No, not at all. He seems genuine and sincere and just good. Let's make the best bad guys. That is true. That we, we, is we, that, true. I mean, that's a repeated statement on so many shows. The best bad guys have the best intentions. That is true. I mean, especially when it comes to when you look at uh, who's the guy that Yolanda killed. I forgot his name last year. Soundwave. I draw a blank. No. I, I believe it's Soundwave. Yeah. If you remember, he started off as a good guy who, when we saw his backstory, who slowly decided to start killing people as he figured out his powers. But yeah. he was actually a good person. So, yeah, there's something there to be said. And Cameron may not have a great ending after all. So we'll see. Another character that's now in jeopardy because he has managed to find himself underneath Cindy's lens. And that's Mike Dugan. He's struggling to find his place. I felt bad for him last season. And then it got better because he found out what was going on. He finally didn't. He finally didn't feel like, hey, his family is shutting him out. He knows the truth now. But now we're doing this again in season two a different way. And he feels neglected, which is the MO of the other ISA children. So I guess the question really is whether or not he will join them on his own for acceptance purposes. Or will it be more of an influence slash mind manipulation by way of Eclipso? Uh, what, what does he offer to the group? Nothing. Yeah, other than just the, like a fuck you to the yeah, the family. Or he can be an in to the family, a way to manipulate them. True. Because, you know, the more we've talked about it, the more I thought it's like, well, he has no powers. It just seems like Cindy is vindictive. And because she wants to say F you to Courtney, that this almost just seems like something she's doing just because that to in spite of Courtney. Okay. But again, listen, you can do all you want. If you want to, if you want to screw over Courtney, have sex with Mike Dugan. Like, why don't you fuck him? Literally. And I mean, I mean cause what, what is she going to do? Yes, please. Unless she, <laughs> I mean, she is hot. I mean, is yeah, it, unless she plans to give him power or something. That's the only other thing I can think I, of. Uh, but I guess we don't know enough about. Eclipso. Yes. To, to say what. Especially after what we saw Eclipso do to the teacher this it, episode. Yeah. Like if, if there's something that he can do to give power. What if Mike Dugan is the, the conduit for Ugh. Eclipso? Ugh. I mean, that would work. He doesn't have any power. And if they find a way to use him as a way to bring Eclipso out of his prison, out of the diamond, that very well would make sense. There is no Dana, only Zool. I always have the random references, <laughs> but it's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, Yolanda, Rick and Beth had to deal head on with the problems they're struggling with. Uh, so the ringing and the headaches that Yolanda had been experiencing all season was in fact, was in fact Eclipso as we saw in this episode. But I'd say this moment was a turning point for the three of them. Uh, decisions are going to be made on how to handle certain things. We already saw a bit of that with Beth. So the aftermath of 
the influence of Eclipso is going to cause them to act and either deal with their issues or bury themselves deeper in them. Honestly, I feel like they're setting things up to to work through them officially and more overtly, like is the case with Beth. The fact that Beth, after experiencing that, what did she do? She actually decided to confront her parents about their divorce. And I don't think she would have done that if it wasn't for the influence of Eclipso and the pain or the emotional trauma that she experienced through Eclipso's influence. And I'll say finally her parents were actually attentive and not dismissive like they usually are since last season. They seem to be very selfish parents that are so consumed with their own shit that they don't really pay attention to Beth's emotional well-being. So it was nice to see them slow down a bit and actually acknowledge her. It gives Beth a bit of a win. We feel a little bit better for her that at least they acknowledged her and didn't play coy or rush off to work. Yes, the mother had to go to work, but at least they actually had a conversation and acted like human beings. Yeah, didn't, didn't just run. Well, because sometimes they come off as zombies. They're just so MIA emotionally that you that uh, there was a time where I wondered if they were just villains, if they were bad because they're just bad parents. So to see them actually care, I, I actually liked that they did that. And speaking of acknowledging Beth, I also like the relationship that Beth and Rick are building this season. Uh, there's a trust and understanding. Uh, Rick has actually done this a couple times this year. Uh, Beth is timid and doesn't fully have the confidence to speak up at times and to see Rick be her champion not just in this episode, but the previous four as well, I feel is a nice touch in the way of building their relationship as a team, because that's something that they, they do need to continue to do and not forget in order to be a team that works together. You have to build rapport and we cannot let that go to the wayside because we're dealing with the immediate myth arc. We have to still give us those moments where we see the team work with each other or they care about each other, you know, on and off the playing field, essentially. I have weird thoughts about Rick. Okay. Like he's throwing like thoughts. No. Yes. That's cause that's not weird. I mean, it's tingly. (laughs) Um, dude, he throws like a Luke Perry vibe for me. Oh, totally does. Yeah. And I didn't want to say that shit on air. So I didn't want to ruin it for everybody else. But I'm like, yo bro, you're 30. (laughs) Oh yeah. He's not part of 90210, dude. You need to, you need to go to college and leave these high school kids alone. <laughs> like, please tell me you're a fucking two year failure. Like, well, we've said that even last season. Like, I know, like, but it just no it's getting Rick worse. Is in high school, this guy's it's like gotta be 28, 29 years dude, old. Dude, it's getting worse. Like, he, I feel like he should be drinking beers. Yeah, uh, on the side of the road. It's not great casting, and I don't like saying that because I like the actor that no, plays No, the actor plays, is right? fine. It just, it doesn't, like... He doesn't fit with the little kids. No, because at least the other... And it might be easier for females to play younger um, because, you know, uh, we'll, we'll dress them differently. We'll tape down their tits or whatever they do um, to make them look younger. You, you know, but this dude is, like, straight up on the Denton hairline. You like... <laughs> Denton hairline. He's so fucked. He don't listen. He ain't gonna hear it. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just like, and every time he's on, I'm like, bro, you, you were babysitting these guys. Yeah. 
But anyway, no, I get nothing to do with the character, the way it's written, the way it's acted. It's just the, the every time he's on air, I was just like, no, I agree. It's hard to make guys in their mid twenties look younger. There are very few guy actors that can look like they're 16, 17 years old. Whereas girls have that cute vibe and they have the pretty skin so they can part their hair differently, put themselves in ponytails and they could pass as younger. Because if you see the actors that play Yolanda and Courtney on the red carpet, they're women as well. Yes. They do not look like kids. Only in the show, they look like kids. I mean, Yolanda is insanely hot in real life. In the show, I see a little kid because they just completely look make her look like a child. Yeah, Tom Holland is like the only actor that hasn't aged. What about Elijah Wood? Uh, Elijah Wood has gotten loose bags and shit under his eyes. Only in the last year, and he's 50. <laughs> that's that's the funny thing. Toby Maguire. I mean, Michael J. Fox was like that for Until years. Until he started shaking. Yeah. Shaking gave it away. <laughs> so fucked up. Yeesh. You're on a roll this show. Anyone else you want to throw under the bus real fast? No, I can make fun of anybody. (laughs) Give me a name. I know. I've heard you on Circle of Jerks. You had an entire bit where you did that. Like like in five seconds, you just burned through like 20 people. Anyway. Um, All right. So this does bring us to our final thoughts. It was a rather quick show today because it was a fairly easy episode to break down. I'm going to give this episode. uh, The season's a bit strange to me. I am enjoying it, but they're not 90 percenters. So I feel like a fair grade would be, I'd say an 83% for this episode. It did everything it needed to do. It felt like an episode dedicated to getting, or I should say moving pieces into place, getting things ready for the more important episodes. And I do like episodes like that. I know some people do not, but I like seeing them moving things and getting things prepared and and maybe just because, you know, from the I, I tend to gravitate to the writing side and I like to see things like that in episodes because I know what to look for. And to me, it calms me down in the way of thinking a show's going to suck because I see that they're actually doing planning. So that being said, 83 percent. What about you, Bob? Uh, I'm going to go 77. Um, uh, Again, I, I you look at a lot of things from the writing aspect. I look at a lot of like technical stuff sometimes. And that whole evil, good light scene with the Eclipso taking over the body uh, was some of the most generic, really bad CG. Wait, I've okay, seen. What, okay, what scene? Uh, you, when the teacher gets taken over. I thought it was pretty fucking cool. Dude, I, dude, I didn't like it at all. Really? It looked bad. I thought it looked bad. I need to go back and watch it because I thought it was really cool looking. No, I no, again, it's my opinion. And and if you, you can go back and watch, but maybe what would you watch on a big giant TV? Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why I watched it on my smaller computer screen. Oh, uh, so, but again, the storyline and everything is, is fine. Um, we've, we've talked about like the reason I just bring up the CG is because we've talked about it before of, is there a difference between HBO Max, a.k.a. DC Universe, and CW? And it was one of the times that I um, was taken out of a scene because it just didn't work for me. But like all of the Eclipso stuff or just when he was being ta- ju- taken just over? when he was being taken over, like the the shit wall, I call it the, the yeah. little portal and all that. Like what no- about what about where Courtney battles Eclipso? Yeah, that was that okay. It, it, there was some parts of that that I didn't see. I like that too. 
Yeah. I need to go back and look at it. Maybe I just wasn't seeing all the details because of my computer screen. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It, it just, it, it, it took me out of it a lot, but like there was like this weird fear in me, not fe- like personal fear, like how horrible it would be for Eclipso to fucking put shit like that. Like when the locker scene, like it, it, that actually brought out some emotion to me. Like I wouldn't want somebody using my biggest fears against me and, or, you know, issues that I've had and everything else. So when I was watching those characters go through that, I was like, holy shit. And then you see Courtney and she's so fucking pure of heart. She didn't have anything. And I was like, this is, this is an awesome fucking good versus evil. I forgot. I forgot to bring that up. That actually is a really awesome telling moment about Courtney. Yeah. That she didn't have anything that he could use against her. And we talk about the whole evil bad thing. That was evil. That that scene was evil. I'm gonna use the the like Mike. I know things about you. I use the worst thing against you to make you fucking feel like shit. That is evil. That 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 is evil on any level. There's no like joking about it. If I you know if I was willing to pull the fucking trigger on you know shit I know about people. It'd be like, wow, that's fucking horrible. That would make me an evil person. That's what I saw in that scene. And it just, like I said, brought like emotions and thoughts to my head of like, God damn, man. If, if that was me, I, I wouldn't want to be there. It, it would make me feel uncomfortable. It would like make me, I guess, attack lockers. So even, so even though you didn't like the CGI, you do like the effect it had and the intention, the of, intention, of the, the writing theme, and what the they right, meant. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 that, that part was there. I was just kind of caught off a little bit by like the technical aspect yeah, of it. That's understandable. Yeah. I like that. That was good. Uh, good. Uh, final thoughts. Yep. I think that Courtney part is, is going to be very important later. I'm wondering if that's the way she defeats him. Until is, she has sex and then she's not pure. Uh, heart what anymore. is the horror film now? <laughs> All right. This does bring us to the end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Mike. Who are you bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 